chapter sixty two of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter sixty two a rash young captain now if i had been sewn up well in a hammock and cast overboard as the surgeon advised who i should like to know would have been left capable of going to the bottom of these strange proceedings hezekiah was alive of course and prepared to swear to anything especially after a round shot must have killed him but for his greasiness and clever enough no doubt he was and suspicious and busy-minded and expecting to have all wales under his thumb because he was somewhere about on the skirts of the great battle i led them into but granting him skill and that narrow knowledge of the world which i call cunning granting him also a restless desire to get to the bottom of everything and a sniffing sense like a turnspit dog's of the shank and bone he is roasting none the more for all that could we grant him the downright power now loudly called for to put two and two together happily for all parties poor hezekiah was not required to make any further fool of himself the stump of my arm was in a fine condition when ordered home with the prizes and as soon as i felt the old bay of biscay over i knocked the doctor he fitted me with a hook after this in consistence with an old fisherman and now i have such a whole box full of tools to screw on that they beat any hand i ever had in the world if my neighbours would only not borrow them tush i'm railing at myself again always running down and holding up myself to ridicule out of pure contrariety just because every one else overvalues me there are better men in the world than myself there are wiser there are braver i will not be argued down about it there are some i am sure as honest in their way and a few almost as truthful however i never yet did come across any other man half so modest this i am forced to allude to now in departure from my usual practice because this quality had, and nothing else had prevented me from dwelling upon and far more from following up some shrewd thoughts which had occurred to me loosely i own and in a random manner still they had occurred to me once or twice and had been dismissed why so simply because i trusted other men's judgment and public impression instead of my own superior instinct and knowledge of weather and tide ways how bitterly it repented me now of this ill-founded diffidence when as we lay in the tops of the channel about the end of october with a nasty head wind baffling us captain rodney blewett came on board of us from the leader he asked if the doctor could report the master as strong enough to support an interview whereupon our worthy bone-joiner laughed and showed him in to me where i sat at the latter end of a fine h bone of beef and then captain rodney produced his papers and told me the whole of his story i was deeply moved by jack wildman's death though edified much by the manner of it and some of his last observations for a naked heathen to turn so soon into a trousered christian and still more a good foretopman was an evidence of unusual grace even under such doctrine as mine was 
captain bluett spoke much of this although his religious convictions were not by any means so intense as mine while my sinews were under treatment but even with only one arm and a quarter i seemed to be better fitted to handle events than this young captain was his ability was of no common order as he had proved by running his frigate under the very chains of the thundering big frenchman so that they could not be down on him and yet he could not see half the bearings of jack wildman's evidence we had a long talk with some hot rum and water for the evenings already were chilly and my natural candour carried me almost into too much of it and the honourable rodney gazed with a flush of colour at me when i gave him my opinions like a raking broadside you may be right he said you were always so wonderful at a long shot llewellyn but really it does seem impossible captain i answered how many things seem so yet come to pass continually i cannot gainsay you llewellyn after all my experience of the world i would give my life to find it true but how are we to establish it leave me alone for that captain bluett if it can be done it shall be done the idea is entirely my own remember it had never occurred to you had it certainly not he replied with his usual downright honesty my reason for coming to you with that poor fellow's dying testimony was chiefly to cheer you up with the proofs of our old captain's innocence and to show you the turn of luck for young harry who has long been so shamefully treated and now i have another thing to tell you about him that is if you have not heard it no i have heard nothing at all i did not even know what had become of him until you read jack's confession with nelson on board the vanguard that was my doing said the honourable rodney i recommended him to volunteer and he was accepted immediately with the character i gave him but it is his own doing and proud i am of it that he is now junior lieutenant of admiral lord nelson's own ship the vanguard just before nelson received his wound and while powder was being handed up there came a shell hissing among them and hung with a sputtering fuse in the coil of a cable and the men fell down to escape it but young harry with wonderful quickness leaped as he did to save me in san domingo and sent the fuse over the side with a dash then nelson came up for the firing was hot and of course he must be in the thick of it and he saw in a moment what harry had done and he took down his name for promotion being just what himself would have loved to do it will have to be confirmed of course but of that there can be no question after all that we have done and when it turns out who he is i am heartily glad of it captain i cried the boy was worthy of any rank worth goes a little way birth a long way but all these things have to be lawfully proven oh you old village lawyer as we used to call you at old newton and you deserved it you rogue you did you may have lost your left hand but your right has not lost its cunning he spoke in the purest play and jest and with mutual esteem we parted only i stipulated for a good talk with him about our measures when i should have determined them or at the latest on reaching port the boldest counsel is often the best and naturally recommends itself to a man of warlike character my first opinion especially during the indignant period was that nothing could be wiser or more spirited or more striking than to march straight up to parson chowne and confront him with all this evidence taken down by a magistrate and dare him to deny it and then hale him off to prison and if the law permitted hang him 
that this was too good for him every one who has read my words must acknowledge the best thing moreover that could befall him for his body was good though his soul was bad and he might have some hopes to redeem the latter at the expense of the former and if he had not through life looked forward to hanging as his latter end and salvation it is quite impossible to account for the license he allowed himself however on second thoughts i perceived that the really weighty concern before us and what we were bound to think first of was to restore such a fine old family to its health and happiness to reinstate before he died that noble and most kind-hearted man full of religious feeling also and of confidence that the lord having made a good man would look after him which is the very spirit of king david when his self-respect returns in a word to replace in the world's esteem and what matters far more in true family love that fine and pure old gentleman the much troubled sir philip bampfylde this i say was the very first duty of a fellow nursed by a general and a baronet through the smallpox while it was also a feat well worthy of the master of a line of battle ship which was not lost in the battle of the nile and scarcely second even to this was the duty and joy of restoring to their proper rank in life two horribly injured and innocent creatures one of whom was our own bardie therefore upon the whole it seemed best to go to work very warily so it came to pass that i followed my usual practice of wholly forgetting myself and receiving from the honourable rodney bluett that most important document i sewed it up in the watered silk bag with my call and other muniments and set out for narnton court where i found both polly and the cook and the other comforts but nothing would do for our captain rodney all young men are so inconsiderate except to be off at racing speed for candleston court and his sweetheart delushy and the excellent colonel's old port wine and as he was so brisk i will take him first with your good leave if ever words of mine can keep up with him but of course you will understand that i tell what came to my knowledge afterwards with all the speed of men and horses young rodney bluett made off for home and when he got there his luck was such as to find delushy in the house it happened to be her visiting time according to the old arrangement and this crafty sailor found it out from the fine old woman at the lodge so what did he do but discharge his carriage and leave all his kit with her and go on with the sprite foot of a mariner to the ancient house which he knew so well then this tall and bold young captain entered by the butler's door the trick of which was well known to him and in a room out of the lobby he stood without his own mother knowing it it was the fall of autumnal night when everything is so rich and mellow when the waning daylight ebbs like a great spring-tide exhausted into the quickening flow of starlight and the plates were being cleared away after a snug dinner-party the good colonel sat at the head of his table after the lady's withdrawal with that modest and graceful kindliness which is the sure mark of true blood around him were a few choice old friends such as only good men have friends who would scout the evidence of their own eyes against him according to our fine old fashion these were drinking healths all round not with undue love of rare port so much as with truth and sincerity rodney made a sign to crumpy who had been shaking him by both hands until the tears prevented him just to please to keep all quiet touching his arrival and to let him have a slice or two of the haunch of venison put to grill if there was any left of it and give it him all on a plate 
together with a twelve-pound loaf of farmhouse bread such as is not to be had outside of great britain this was done in about five minutes for even mrs cook respected crumpy and being served up with a quart of ale in crumpy's own head privacy it had such a good effect that the captain was ready to face anybody oh crumpy was a most crafty old fellow which was one reason why i liked him as a contrast to my frankness and he managed it all and kept such a lookout that no one suspected him of any more than an honoured old chum in his stronghold captain bluett also knew exactly what his bearings were and from a loftier point of view than would ever occur to crumpy a man who had carried a fifty-gun ship right under the lower portholes of a one hundred and twenty-gun enemy and without any orders to that effect and only from want of some easier business he i think may be trusted to get on in almost anything this was the very thing i do believe occurring to the mind of somebody sitting as nearly as might be now upon a very beautiful sofa the loveliest work that you can imagine lay between her fingers and she was doing her very best to carry it on consistently but on her lap lay a london paper full of the highest authority and there any young eyes might discover a regular pit-pat of tears my dear my dear said lady bluett being not so very much better herself although improved by spectacles it is a dreadful dreadful thing to think of those poor frenchmen killed so many at a time and all in their sins i do hope they had time to think ever so little of their latter end it makes me feel quite ill to think of such a dreadful carnage and to know that my own son was foremost in it do you think my dear that your delicate throat would be any worse in the morning if you were to read it once more to me the people in the papers are so clever and there was something i did not quite catch about poor rodney's recklessness how like his dear father to be sure i see him in every word of it auntie the first time i read it was best the second and third time i cried worse and worse and the fourth time you know what you said of me and i know that i deserved it auntie for having such foolish weak eyes like that you know what i told you about captain rodney and begged you to let me come here no more and you know what you said that it was a child's fancy and if it were not it should take its course the colonel was wiser oh auntie auntie why don't you always hearken him for a very good reason my dear child he always proves wrong in the end and i don't i have the very highest and purest respect for my dear brother's judgment every one knows what his mind is and every one values his judgment and no stranger of course can enter into him his views and his largeness and intellect as i do when i agree with him there you have made me quite warm my dear i am so compelled to vindicate him i am so sorry i did not mean you know what i am auntie my dear i know what you are and therefore it is that i love you so now go and wash your pretty eyes and read that again to me and to the colonel many mothers would be proud perhaps i feel no pride whatever because my son could not help doing it there was something else this excellent lady's son could not help doing he caught the beautiful maid of scar in her pure white dress in a nook of the passage and with tears of pride for him rolling from her dark grey eyes and he could not help but all lovers i trow know how much to expect of him thank you rodney delushy cried to a certain extent i am grateful but if you please no more of it and you need not suppose that i was crying about 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 anything of course not you darling how long have i lived not to know that girls cry about nothing nine times out of ten at least pearly tears now prove your substance 
rodney will you let me alone i am not a french decker of five hundred guns for you to do just what you like with and i don't believe any one knows you are here yes 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 ever so many darlings if you like and with my whole heart i do love you as darling moxy says but one thing this moment i insist upon no not in your ear nor yet through your hair you conceited curly creature but at the distance of a yard i pronounce that you shall come to your mother oh what a shame and with that unfilial view of the subject he rendered himself after all those mortal perils into the arms of his mother with her usual quickness delushy fled but came back to the drawing-room very sedately and with a rose-coloured change of dress in about half an hour afterwards how do you do captain rodney bluett madame i hope that i see you well lady bluett was amazed at the coolness of them and in her heart disappointed although she was trying to argue it down and to say to herself how wise of them she knew how the colonel loved this young maid yet never could bear to think of his nephew taking to wife a mere waif of the sea the lady had faith in herself that she might in the end overcome this prejudice but of course if the young ones had ceased to care for it she could only say that young people were not of the stuff that young people used to be while she revolved these things in her tender warm and motherly bosom the gentlemen came from the dining-room to pay their compliments to the ladies and to have their tea and all that according to the recent style of it they bowed very decently as they came in not being topers by any means and the lady of the house arose and curtsied to them most gracefully then rodney who had found occasion ere this to salute colonel lower and his visitors led forward the maid and presented her to them with a very excellent naval bow my dear uncle and friends of the family he began while she trembled a little and looked at him with astonishment allow me the favour of presenting to you a lady who will do me the honour of becoming my wife very shortly i hope the colonel drew back with a frown on his face lady bluett on the other hand ran up what is the meaning of this she cried and not a word of it to your own mother oh andalusia how shocking of you i think sir said the colonel looking straight at the youth that you might have chosen a better moment to defy your uncle than in the presence of his oldest friends it is not like a gentleman sir it cuts me to the heart to say such a thing to the son of my own sister but sir it is not like a gentleman the old friends nodded to one another in approval of this sentiment and turned to withdraw from a family scene wait if you please cried rodney bluett colonel lower i should deserve your reproach if i had done anything of the kind my intention is not to defy you sir but to please you and gratify you my dear uncle as your life-long kindness to me and to this young lady deserves and i have chosen to do it before old friends that your pleasure may be increased by their congratulations instead of being ashamed sir of the origin of your future niece or you my dear mother of your daughter you may well be proud of it she belongs to one of the oldest families in the west of england she is the grandchild of sir philip bampfylde of narnton court near barnstaple and i think i have heard my mother speak of him as an old friend of my father to be sure to be sure exclaimed lady bluett ere the colonel could recover himself the bluetts are an old west country family but the bampfylde's even older come to me my pretty darling there don't cry so or if you must come in here and i will help you rodney my dear you have delighted us and you have done it most cleverly 
but excuse my saying that an officer in the army would have known a little better what ladies are than to have thrown them into this excitement even in the presence of valued friends come here my precious the gentleman will excuse us for a little while let me kiss colonel lower first whispered delushy all frightened crying and quivering as she was she could not forget her gratitude so she bowed her white forehead and drooped her dark lashes under the old man's benevolent gaze sit down my dear friend said colonel lower as soon as the ladies had left the room my good nephew's tactics have been rather blunt and of the aboukir order however he may be quite right if this matter requires at once to be spread abroad at any rate my dear boy i owe you an apology rodney i beg your pardon for the very harsh terms i used to you with these words he stood up and bowed to his nephew who did the same to him in silence and then they shook hands warmly after which the young captain told his story to which they all listened intently five being justices of the shire and one the lord lieutenant all accustomed to examine evidence it seems very likely said colonel lower as they waited for his opinion that david llewellyn is a most shrewd fellow but he ought to have said more about the boat there is one thing however to be done at once to collect confirmative evidence there is another thing to be done at once cried rodney bluett warmly to pull chowne's nose and despite his cloth i will do it roundly my young friend said the lord lieutenant prove it first and then i think there are some people who would pardon you End of chapter sixty two